Waiting 
Yeah. 
Good morning, Blue Water Mission. Welcome back to our online service format. Um, we definitely know that it's been a very challenging season for all of us, um, particularly as a church in the body of Christ. But one thing that is so awesome is that God is always working. He's always on the move and He is still Lord uh, over our lives. So let's open us up uh, in, in some awesome time in prayer. So Lord, we come before you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're always working in us, Lord. Even when we're not feeling it, we're not sensing it, but you are working because you are faithful. Thank you, Lord. You love us as a church. And I pray that you continue to just exude yourself in us and through us. Help us to be your salt and light to the world, Lord, who, where they're battling with fear or they're even combining themselves or partnering with fear. Help us, Lord, be, um, be just empowered in us and through us, Lord, to bring faith and hope and love to the people around us, Lord, to one another. We need you so much. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Joe Cole, you're awesome. And you told me that after um, the Sunday sermon about miracles, you went out and did something. Tell us what happened. I was really encouraged by what you shared. Right after you spoke, I went to Starbucks, got my coffee, came back to my car, and right next to me was a car with blackened windows you couldn't see you know but i could feel the vibration they must have the radio on so i knocked on the window the window came down and i said hi my name is joe and um i wondered if i could pray for you the guy looked pretty rough and he said sure yeah so i came around and um so I laid a hand on his shoulder and I prayed for him. It was simple prayers, but it was when I got to the other side and he rolled his window down, I noticed that his girlfriend was laying down in the passenger side. I didn't even notice her. So I prayed for him and then he said, would you pray for her? And I said, sure. And so I went back around her side and prayed for her some different prayers, but just prayers that were in my heart. And then I said to him, I said, you know, you seem pretty angry. No. <laughs> His girlfriend went, <laughs> you know. And then he shared that he had an addiction also. And so we just had some really good interaction and I encouraged, encouraged them both. So I. I, I went into my car, I went to my car, and then I stopped and I go, no, this isn't enough. So I went back, she rolled down the window, and I said to him, I said, could I pray? You know, I don't pray miracle prayers, really, because that's a little over the top for me, but I do like praying for people, but I'd like to pray for a miracle for you of, of a breakthrough in your addiction. And he said yes, and so I prayed for the deliverance from for him from his addiction and how'd that go it was it, it went well i mean it was simple mm -hmm. he was just he was crying he was moved uh, but when i finished praying for him that last time i said could i give you a hug and he said no this guy is not like he's a rough guy <laughs> and anyway he said sure and he got out of the car and i gave him a hug and wished him well that's amazing. Thank you for 
giving it a try and thanks for sharing that with us. So uh, about 10 months ago, I started having ankle pain and um, it just wouldn't go away. And I thought it was because I was on my Peloton bike and you know, you have to click on and off on the bike. Um, and so I, I thought I clicked it off wrong and I sprained my ankle. So then, and then by, so I decided to stop in January and let it heal, but it never healed. It was still in pain and it became this 24 seven chronic pain that I had. And I talked to my friend who's a physical therapist and he had showed me things that I could do to help alleviate the pain. And I also saw a podiatrist and nothing helped. I'm not able to do any exercise or walk very long. And mm. so it's just been really hard. So um, on Sunday, John and Aaron and Tyler and Sophie and Saran um, laid hands on my ankle. Mm. And it was powerful because, you know, John and Aaron had just come back from that YWAM camp. Mm and um, they laid hands on me and I could feel, John had his hands on my ankle and I could feel this intense heat and mm. this tingling sensation on my toes. And so they, they were praying for me and I just felt the power. The power was flowing through his hands to, to my body and I just felt, wow, it was like electrifying. And so how I really felt there they, was a How long did they pray for you for They prayed for like, 10 minutes. So when they first prayed, I was getting better. Like, well, it's not so much pain. And then they prayed again. And that's when I felt, wow, like there's no pain. I stretched my ankle, I moved it around and I just felt no pain. I was in shock and I was in awe because I had been in pain for 10 months. And to now not have any pain, it was incredible. But the true test was for going up and down the stairs at my house. So I went up and down the stairs and there was no pain. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Wow. So, Praise God, though, for healing. And so, um, yeah, I just was, I was, I was just in awe all day. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to Blue Water's online service format. Uh, my name's Connor, and I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, originally, we were going to be sharing, uh, myself and the youth group, about the amazing things that God did in the youth while we were in Kona at the Commission Youth Camp. Uh, but so we're going to have to hold that off for a week so that we can get everybody's testimonies about like the Holy Spirit filling them up um, and all of that. And we're going to do that for next week's service. But that's coming. So get super excited about that because I have never in all of my time working in Christian ministries seen the Lord pour out on young people the way that they, they he did in Kona. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but so for this week, we'll be listening to Jordan, which is almost as good as listening to the youth share their testimonies. For now, we'll continue with our worship with giving tithes and offerings. And so you can still do that by mailing in a check to the church office, or you can give online at the website that you see on the screen. Okay, let's get ready to get into the Word of God and hear what Jordan has to share with us about really how to have faith in such a difficult time. Aloha Blue Water. Um, we are online again. Uh, you may have heard that the governor updated his uh, stay-at-home orders so that churches are now allowed to gather. Uh, they are exempted from the restrictions, uh, but our landlord here at Palamo Settlement says no. Uh, we cannot gather, in case you were wondering uh, why we're still online. Uh, so we'll keep you updated and we'll continue to look for alternatives and let you know. Um, I just want to put out there that as the months go by, 
there will be more variants of this virus over time. Right now we're doing the Delta variant. Uh, probably each successive variant will be decreasingly severe, uh, but perhaps more contagious. And I say that because that's the normal way that viruses evolve in, in populations. Uh, but, but, but there are going to be uh, more variants as the months go by. You know, we are in this thing, in other words. And some people will make a point to sensationalize every uh, new potential danger. And some people will make a point to resist the sensationalism with increasing levels of vehemence and anger. And there's going to be finger pointing all around. Right. Uh, we know this by now. So I guess my best wisdom to put out there this week is just to encourage everyone to be sensible, but not scared. I think that's a pretty good mantra to be sensible, but not scared. The analogy I'm thinking about has to do with driving, uh, driving cars. Driving is a dangerous thing, uh, but uh, we make a point uh, to do it safely and skillfully. Do you know that? Across this past year, kids have been 400%, like people under 18 are 400% more likely to die from a car crash than they are to die from the COVID virus. Um, and, and something like 20 or 30 times more likely to have lingering effects from a car accident than they are from a COVID infection. Cars are dangerous. Uh, but my son, Jeremiah, got his learning permit yesterday, went to the DMV and, and he got it. As we teach teenagers how to live with and navigate the dangers that are inherent in driving. And we do that so that they can expand their lives through, through transportation. And, and I just think at some point we're going to have to do something similar with uh, these uh, COVID variants. Um, we're going to have to be really sensible. We're going to have to pay attention to the things that make us safer while we go about our lives and try to expand our lives uh, back to normal or, or beyond. And to do that, uh, we will have to draw upon courage as well as really good wisdom. You know, we're going to need both things together to pull this off. Courage and really good wisdom, you put them together and that's what I call maturity. So if you want to pray for anything in society, um, I, I just might pray for, you know, mature uh, reactions to what's going on because we do need courage, but we also need really good wisdom uh, and, and those combined together to empower us uh, to move forward as this continues. And that's my little sermon on, on COVID for the week. Uh, God bless us and God bless you. And, and we will find our way through this is what I'm saying. Over the years, as a preacher at Blue Water Mission, I have told lots of fantastical stories. I have told some stories about pretty unlikely miracles uh, that I've been uh, a part of. But here is a true story that you're probably not going to believe. I'm just saying that up front. Uh, and it's a story from time in my life. I guess I was about 30, maybe a little past 30. And I had just left my career in, in academia uh, because nobody liked the answers that my research was producing. Although they have turned out to be pretty accurate over the last 25 years. Uh, but uh, I was casting about uh, for something to do uh, next, and I end up 
working for a software company for, for a little while. I was hired as an engineer and I'm not much of an engineer guy. I mean, I could do a little bit of, of software coding, uh, but it was a startup software company and there was a problem in that nobody was buying our product. Nobody had figured out how to sell our product. And so I very quickly became what we called the vice president of marketing or business development for, for the corporation. And I was the guy that began figuring out how to sell our product, which was a, a database backed website uh, software. This was back in the day when that stuff was still fairly new. We had interactive websites, e-commerce websites, and websites with social features that we could build, um, stuff like that when it was still really new. That, that was our product. We needed to expand as a business to survive. And, uh, and in that part of my job, although I did not like software uh, so much, I, I was actually pretty good. Anything that involves being just inventive and kind of creating processes out of nothing. And, you know, I, I actually, I, I feel like I'm kind of at my best in situations where there's just no way forward and I have to imagine something. Like, that kind of draws on some of my, my gifts. And so I was thinking about, well, what can we do to expand the business? And I was praying about it. And then one night I had a dream. And this was a crazy dream. It was a dream about software, which is the only time in my life I've ever had a prophetic dream about software. And it was one of the most impressive dreams of my life to boot. What happened is I woke up from this dream early in the morning and the dream continued around me in the air. It was like this open vision. It's like I saw this website in 3D around me. It was really, really trippy. And I saw the name of the website, www.bishbash.com. That was the name of it in the vision. And I saw all of the features. And, uh, and then, then uh, the vision popped away. And I thought, well, this is the key for the company. This is a way for the company to provide for the future and provide for all its employees and my friends. And I went to work that day and I described it to the president of the company. What I had seen in my vision, uh, was um, an extension of some software that we had put together at a company that sort of automated the construction of little websites. We already had that technology at our disposal. And I saw that we could sort of offer this web service hosted on servers that would allow everybody in the world to kind of log on and automatically generate their own little personal web page. And we had social features uh, with our software toolkit. And so what I was seeing in the vision is that people could have their own little web page and they could put photos on it and updates and be social features. They could talk back and forth and stuff like that. And we could provide this for everyone. It would, for the first time in history, people could log on and have their own personal website automatically and share stuff with each other. And I thought well, that would be really successful. And the president of the company was a little bit uh, reluctant, but I talked and I told him about the vision and I mentioned, you know, God and faith and stuff like that. And he was like, well, okay. And so we worked on it a little bit with our engineering team, figured that we could pull it off. And it got to a point where we actually went and visited a venture capitalist in Boston, which is where the company was. And he listened to our pitch. And then he said, look, you're approaching this the wrong way. 
you don't want to do a consumer item. You don't want to provide these little personal interactive websites to all the people in the world. You want to just provide them to other engineers so that they can build these websites automatically for businesses and make a lot of money. So he downgraded my idea and the president of the company believed him rather than the vision and it went nowhere. And then shortly thereafter, the president of the company did some nefarious things with the finances. So the whole project got shelved. If you have not caught on already, this was in the year 2000, which was four years before MySpace launched and about six years before Facebook launched. I had that idea. I saw it six years before. You're not suitably impressed, guys. Like that was my idea. Of course, it was God's idea because I literally saw this in an, in an open uh, vision. True story. Man, did I miss an opportunity there? I didn't even like software, uh, but God knew that this was going to be uh, the next big thing. I thought about that stupid story, um, you know, a hundred times over the years as MySpace and then Facebook became hugely popular. And what I thought was, well, why did it get shut down? Like, why couldn't I sell this to anybody? Um, and I think it, it's because creativity always takes more courage than conventional thinking. You know, it's like to, to really see something um, constructed out of thin air, um, that, that's sort of a unique human experience. And, and people sometimes don't know how to relate to that really well, even entrepreneurial people. All right, shift gears a little bit. And, and let's ask ourselves something as Christians. What is our proper response to all the challenges and the pressures that are in society right now? And more than that, what is our proper response to all the different parties on the different sides of the issues and pressures uh, that we are facing uh, right now? Like, in what spirit shall we move in life? as Christians, as believers. What spirit should be our hallmark? What should be our banner as we move through these days and weeks and months together? And you might say, well, as Christians, you know, we want to manifest faith. That, that's the spirit in which we should move, sure. Love, love is a big Christian virtue. We definitely want to be manifesting love in this season that's so filled with well, with fear, with a need for comfort, with antagonisms and accusations and judgmentalism and all that, we want to be loving and generous instead. Um, but as I have prayed about it and interacted with the Holy Spirit over the last couple of months in particular, uh, I'd just like to suggest that the Christian virtue that perhaps we should display uh, most powerfully is the, is the virtue of creativity. It's the spirit of inventiveness, uh, the wonderful ability to create something out of nothing, which I think is uniquely human and, and uniquely uh, Christian, uh, especially much. I think our creativity is the way that we humans are most like God. I get that from the story of, of Genesis, uh, unique among the creations on the face of the earth we humans have the ability to invent. We get to name things. We get to uh, make choices about how to shape the world around us, about how to shape ourselves. We get to build cities. We get to invent you know, mechanisms and technologies and things like that. 
the first command that the Lord gave Adam and Eve after the fall was be fruitful and multiply. Now, that, was, that was the big command. And that didn't just refer to population growth. You know, that, that referred to fruitfulness of various sorts. What's fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is turning one plant into many plants by producing, producing seeds and fruit. Multiply, multiply not just the number of people on the earth, but the types of people of the earth, the types of cultures on the earth, the way that they live, the things that they do, the, the tools that they use, and everything has come from the Lord's command to multiply things in the universe. That's what humans are, are really, really good at. And I think Christians especially, because we are people of courage, because we are people of faith, because we are people of, of miracles, which in some ways are the ultimate expressions of creativity. I have felt led to pray over our congregation multiple times over recent weeks uh, the gift of creativity and creative response. Uh, one Sunday, uh, not too long ago, I was praying over the congregation, some of you might remember this, uh, that the Lord would provide for people who were struggling financially, as many of us are uh, during, uh, during these, uh, these shutdowns, these bouts of shutdown. Uh, in society. And as I was praying it, the Holy Spirit stopped me, checked me hard and said, no, don't pray that I would provide for these people in the congregation. Pray instead that these people would provide for others. That's what the Spirit said to me. So I switched gears mid-stride and I prayed over the congregation that Sunday that the Lord would release ideas and inspirations for being providers and not just getting provided for. Maybe some of you remember that. And I got, you know, stories back about people who in that moment were seized with ideas, ways to provide for their family or to provide for others uh, creatively. Uh, Kiki Minister Rolo uh, got the idea, as he tells the story, uh, right after I prayed that, that he would finance a new car and then let that car out on Turo, uh, which is the the car sharing uh, marketplace, because rental cars are so limited on the island, people are making money um, letting out their cars. He didn't have a car, but through creative financing, he got a new one and now he can rent it out on Turo and make money for his family. Good things can come from that. Uh, Sony, and I, Sony and I have always had little side hustles to supplement uh, our ministry income. And in recent months, uh, we both felt convicted separately that it was time for us to sell our house. We ended up selling our house and buying a new one. Uh, we didn't make any money on that deal, but because of how financing worked, we freed up some cash flow um, by doing that deal and, and had uh, some money for some creative ideas. Um, I'm gonna tell this story uh, at greater length in a future sermon, but one of the things that I felt pretty strongly led by the Lord to do is I have started a, a boat construction and marine gear manufacturing company, just a, a little company. Sailing used to be a really big part of my life uh, when I was younger and I felt the Lord calling me back to it. Uh, I didn't have any money. I needed a boat. I felt led to build a boat. To build a boat, I had to build a company. And I'm going to tell this story uh, eventually down the road. Uh, in a sermon, because um, 
It's involved a lot of prophetic leading and really eerily accurate words of knowledge and things like that. So it's, it's a fun story to tell. Um, it's incredibly unlikely. Uh, but recently, that enterprise has resulted in me and a partner manufacturing a 20-meter-long autoclave. It's this device called an autoclave uh, for carbon fiber parts manufacturing. And we have built this autoclave. We are building it in Cuba, of all places. Never mind how this has happened, but that's what happened. Is I'm building a 20-meter-long high-pressure autoclave for carbon parts manufacturing in Cuba. Um, now, you might not know what an autoclave is. Um, it's, it's sort of a high-end device. It creates pressure so that you can kind of weld together carbon fibers and make very strong, lightweight items. But the type of autoclave that we are building, there are only a handful of such things in the world right now. And we are building it in a small boatyard in an out-of-the-way place in, in Cuba. A challenge for me then is like, well, how do I do business out of Cuba? Because Cuba has been a fairly shut down communist country. Uh, they have lots of restrictions on business and entrepreneurship. How do I get parts shipped into there? How do I get parts shipped out of there? When the time comes for me to move this autoclave to Honolulu, which is what I want to do because I want to create some enterprise locally as well. You know, how do we how do we do that? How do we ship things out of Cuba? And then this past week, you are probably not aware of this because for some reason it has not made headlines. But the communist dictators in Cuba just this past week announced that after 60 years of zero free enterprise in Cuba, they have just opened up the Cuban economy to free enterprise again this past week after 60 years. So everything that I am doing now has, has just become much more possible. I'm very happy about this. Uh, the, the rulers of Cuba have done this uh, because they needed to do it to because the population was suffering a great deal uh, during the economic shutdowns in, in the world. Um, and so it's going to when China did something similar in the 1980s, it lifted 600 million people in China out of poverty. So uh, this choice to open free enterprise in Cuba, I think, is going to lift a lot of Cubans out of poverty, which is great. I love Cuba. I've been there a fair bit. I have a lot of friends there. So that's really wonderful. But also, what an amazing coincidence that the Lord has led me to build this crazy thing in Cuba uh, just a few weeks before the country is opened for the first time in 60 years. I'll keep you posted on that. All I'm saying is, if you follow a creative God, sometimes you get into very strange, inventive stories. But the Lord knows what he's doing. And one way or another, you're going to get a really interesting story, and it might just work out. You might be able to create something out of nothing, and you might get stories of provision out of that. Try it. Stay tuned. Here's a better story about creativity though. It comes from Mark chapter six. Uh, let's read through it together quickly. I say quickly because I bet you already know this story. It's when Jesus fed a crowd of thousands with a few loaves and fishes. We'll read from Mark chapter six. We'll go from about verse 32 to 44. This is the story. Jesus is uh, traveling uh, with his most intimate disciples and he's trying to take a vacation with them, essentially, trying to take a break. 
So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat, which is a perfectly practical idea. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Don't send them for provision. You guys be the provision, he says to them. Well, they said to Jesus, uh, that would take eight months of a man's wages. We don't have any money. How are we going to do this thing? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. Uh, ah, there's a profound kingdom principle here. God never says, you know, how much do you need? He says, what do you have? Use that. <laughs> go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Uh, in a different version of the story, we learn that they stole a lunch from a little kid, and that's how they got the five loaves and two fish. But in any case, that's what they have. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. They're very well organized. And then taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000, probably some additional women and children in that group as well. So you guys know the story, right? Miracles of the loaves and fishes. Everybody has heard that story. So I don't need to go through it too carefully. There are some normal observations that people always make about this story. One that I like is that Christians always have their needs met by serving other people. I mean, it's such a profound concept. The crowd was really hungry, but the disciples had no food either. You know, at most, they had five loaves and two fish, and they had to take it from a little boy. Um, but by ministering to others, their needs are met. They gather 12 basketfuls of leftovers afterwards. There are 12 disciples, so that works out really well. So they themselves have a huge feast. There is never a time not to minister. There is never a time so scarce in your life that you should stop serving other people because it is the way of the Lord to meet your needs as you meet other people's needs. That's a great principle. And that leaps off the pages of this story. But you know, when we come to a Bible story, we always ask ourselves, what bugs me about this story? Because when you find the annoying thing in the story, you're often about to learn something. It causes you to question and think. Well, what bugs me about this miracle story is that Jesus bothered to do it. Because, you know, it's not like he encounters a sick person who is suffering and needs to make them better. I mean, these people are crashing their vacation. 
and they could very well have been just dismissed to go find food, you know, in the strip malls and you know, places that were around them, you know, and that would have been fine. But Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat instead. It seems like an extraneous sort of miracle to do. Why do you suppose Jesus required the disciples to do this miracle? What was the point? I will add that this is the only miracle story that is included in all four of the Gospels in the Bible. So every early Christian writer thought that this miracle story was fundamental. There's something about it that they found particularly riveting. What was Jesus trying to, to show here? I will add that Jesus does a miraculous feeding twice. Uh, soon after this, he does another one as if to drive his point home. But what was his point? What was his point? And there are different ways to answer that question, but I'm going to say that the, the thing that Jesus wanted to make sure all of his disciples understand is that Christians have an amazing amount of creative freedom. They're always free from any circumstance or material need but they're always able to be creative, to make something out of nothing. That is our privilege as followers of, of Christ. I love the way that they construct this miracle in the story uh, because it's very organized. In some ways, it's the most natural miracle of all of the miracles uh, that we read about in the Gospels. They have everybody sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. You know, they get administrative, they get logistical, and then, you know, Jesus gives thanks. They move forward in a spirit of thankfulness, which is always good. And then he passes out pieces of food to the disciples. And it just says that they passed it out, right? There's no hocus pocus to it. They just started passing it out. And somehow, I mean, I'm not even sure how. I'm not even sure that they were sure how. It kind of multiplied as they did it. They probably couldn't tell you how the miracle happened afterwards. They just did natural things. They had people sit down and they served them food. And at the end, it worked. You know what I mean? There was no scales falling from the eyes or twisted bones cracking straight or, or you know, dead girls breathing. It was just they did a normal thing and it worked miraculously well. Um, they invented everything about it. They, they had to invent a way to organize. They had to invent a way to implement. And in the end, they had to invent food and in that they made food out of thin air, right? You might say to me, well, Jordan, this is a miracle story. It's not a creativity story. You know, this is miraculous. It isn't, it isn't creative, um, not a creative venture as we conceive of it. But I think they're sort of the same thing, you know, insofar as this was a natural looking miracle I think miracles are the natural outwork of our creative spirit as human beings and as followers of Christ. I mean, I think we should be able to create something out of nothing all the time, but stuff gets in the way, you know, because creativity requires more courage than conventional thinking. Some people just can't make the leap and some people can. Um, I think it is our natural ability to create things out of thin air. And we just need to get out of our own way. We need to organize for it. We need to build for it. We need to proceed as if, as if it's going to happen. And then you never know. It might just happen.
this uh, miracle, loaves and fishes, is often called a multiplication miracle, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Okay, uh, let's go with that. And let me ask you here at the end, what do you want multiplied in and through your life in these days? Can I ask you just to think about that really quickly in your life right now? What would you like to see multiplied in your hands? To see multiplied out of thin air around you? Just think about that for a second. Just for a minute, remove the fences of your conventional thinking and think creatively and miraculously. Okay, now great. Let me ask you a follow-on question. That thing that you were thinking about, I think God gave many of you ideas. Some of you will give ideas in a little bit. But for those of you who have ideas, how do you want to construct it in your life? How do you want to organize for it? How do you want to do the logistics of it? How do you want to proceed? Because every mission needs a method. Every miracle needs a method. Every creative endeavor needs a first step or two. It might take creativity for you to figure out how to proceed. Use it. I am like a thousand percent sure right now uh, that particularly in our congregation, God will give people extraordinary ideas about how to make something out of nothing, whether it's finances or businesses or relationships or relational groups or ministry opportunities or miracle opportunities of healing uh, like we heard about in some of the testimonies uh, today. He will give you extraordinary ideas, literally and metaphorically, literally in that they will be extraordinary. They will be out of the ordinary and that's fine. That's your privilege as a Christian. And extraordinary in the sense that they'll be really, really good. Both will be true. And then after you have some sort of sense or idea in your head, I just challenge you to remember, as we always say at Blue Water Mission, that discipleship is follow through. That food doesn't get multiplied until you start passing it out. Remember as well that creativity takes more courage than conventional thinking. That's all. Just a little bit of courage and a little bit of follow through. You're a Christian. I mean, this is what we do. This is what we do better than anyone else because we embrace miracles, don't we? We have faith for stuff that is literally impossible, don't we? I mean, life is hard right now, but, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Challenge is the sponsor of miracles, right? This is your time. This is our time. We are the community of, of creativity. And we are going to get some epically interesting stories in the coming weeks. Uh, you can write that down. On this, I am not wrong. Father God, I pray as I feel the Holy Spirit has led, that you release a spirit of creativity in the Blue Water people. I pray that we would create friendships out of nothing. 
Uh, I pray that we would create wealth out of nothing. I pray, Lord, that we would provide for friends and relations, uh, even though it seems as if we're in a time of scarcity ourselves. I pray, Lord, that you would drop amazing ideas into our head, in our dreams, in crazy open visions, and that you would foment in our community a spirit of faith such that we grab them and run with them. We don't need them to be dramatic, Lord. We just need them to be creative and healthy. We're not looking for adventure, Father. We're looking for fruitfulness and multiplication. Uh, we're blue water people, Lord. We're meant to navigate distant waters. We're meant to navigate dangerous roads, to be sensible while we do it, but not scared with our eyes open to the opportunities that are coming our way. And we dedicate ourselves for this work to you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey there, Blue Water Mission. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you were encouraged by Jordan's message on creativity. This really is our time. This is a, an important and special season. Don't miss it. I pray that today you will be met by God with a spirit of innovation and boldness and joy. If you would like someone to join with you in prayer, our prayer team would love to be part of that. Please contact them and someone will reach out to you and be happy to partner with you in prayer. We're looking forward to getting back together real soon, but we wanna come with stories to share. And I can't wait to hear what you're gonna bring. All right, love you guys and we'll see you soon.